Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Call to Action podcast. Today, we are joined by very, very special guest, first-time guest of of the Call to Action podcast, Kristen Williams from our staff. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Quite an introduction, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I tried to avoid it as much as I could, but... Coffee. Well, you know, I, I have it in front of me here, but why don't you tell the people the listening what your title is and kind of what that means? Because it's really long to say. And uh, yeah, and just kind of break down what you do here in the office. Sure. Uh, so I am the Associate Commissioner for Institutional Services and Senior Woman Administrator. And what that essentially means is I do everything that is not externally related, like TV and media or um, our championships. So, you know, if it's compliance, academics, our extracurricular stuff, which I think we're gonna get into. Um, I work with our lobbyists, our um, faculty outside of athletics, just a conglomerate of things. Yeah, you do a lot of stuff. (laughs) And, And the reason we have you on is because we announced uh, or didn't really announce anything, but we're having uh, continuing the conversation about uh, numerous topics over not just the next couple months, but kind of continuing what the MAC has been the leader in over the years of just um, whether it's mental health or race relations or um, diversity, um, equality and inclusion, just all these sorts of topics, we kind of roll out a plan over these next few months, at least, um, to to do some really cool stuff and to talk to some really cool people throughout the conference and even outside of the conference. Um, it's our Taking Action Beyond the Classroom in Competition initiative. Uh, again, why, why don't you kind of tell people what overall that means? Sure. Um- so we started taking action a handful of years ago, and it's really from our student athletes and their voice of what they needed beyond classroom and competition. So we provide all of these separate opportunities, you know, tutoring to games, but what was, what were things that they were missing that they needed in order to develop and go on to be humans for the rest of their lives? Um, so mental health was really the first one that started it all, and then we've grown that to diversity, equity, inclusion to um, specifically this year, race relations and how to use their voice. Uh, we've done leadership training with them. So it's a, it's a handful of different things that really started a, a few years ago. And this year we've been able to really blow it up and amplify it, especially with COVID occurring. And you know what can we do to help our student athletes more and allow them to take leadership roles on their campuses so the Taking Action initiative isn't, it's not a new thing, but it's definitely a highlighted piece this fall for us. Um, so we're going to really focus in on what the world is now and the chaos that we live in every day and not knowing what we're waking up to. Um, so focusing on their mental health of who they are beyond a student, beyond an athlete. So the intersectionality of identities is probably the best way to put it, even though it's a tongue twister. Um, And then diversity and inclusion, obviously the the largest conversation is social justice and race relations right now. And how can our student athletes use their voice to better the world? Um, So it's, it's a lot of education training and then allowing them 
to develop what they see as needs and what they can manage on campus and share their opinions on. I don't know if I answered your question. No, of course. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And, and this week we're kind of kicking things off again with diversity, equality, inclusion uh, in regards to biases and recognition and management and microaggressions. Uh, you'll hear on today's show uh, from Bree Robinson from Miami University. And then we have a couple of our student athletes uh, on a show on Thursday joining us as well. Um, as it relates to this topic for this week, what are those conversations? You've been on a lot of calls with our COSA group and uh, I mean, you're on you're on many, many Zoom calls in, in regards to this topic and many more. Um, what are you kind of picking up from people to kind of preview the week, what people may hear um, from these individuals uh, and today from Bree on, on what you're learning about biases and microaggressions? Yeah, so microaggressions and implicit bias are just, they're natural things. They happen all of the time. We're humans and that's just our natural reactions. And that's something that I got to learn from a few of our professors over the summer of it's okay to have an implicit bias. It's okay to have an internal microaggression reaction. What matters is whether or not you recognize that and learn how to either control it or manage it or teach yourself to go beyond your implicit bias, which is truly what this full taking action thing is about. It's let's educate ourselves and become better people through that education. Um, so I'm sure in talking to Bree and the student athletes, you're going to hear some stories of things that they run into and felt personally. I mean, anybody can think, oh yeah, I, I've definitely been a uh, victim of bias, if you will. Um, but you can also think of plenty of times that you've probably had a bias and a reaction that probably wasn't appropriate, but Again, that's okay because you're human and it happens. Everybody has an initial subconscious reaction. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. And and uh, I guess just two more questions is kind of uh, first, uh, I know from my point of view um, that this is going to be, uh, w with all these topics, a great learning uh, thing for myself and for Eric. Um, when we're talking to people, I think it's like you mentioned, it's cool to hear stories from people and maybe how they've dealt through things and you, you learn that way. And I think that's what we should all be doing uh, during this time is just educating one another. Um, in these calls, uh, how, how much, not just with this topic, but how much do you learn and how cool is it to be part of the, you know, leading the COSA group and, and hearing from our student athletes on a we weekly basis, right? I mean, that essentially. Like, yeah. 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 Um, no, I mean, when I started this job, I had no idea what I was getting into. And honestly, the Council of Student Athletes, is that's who I learn from the most in every single year. It doesn't matter what the topic is. But the fact that they're so open and willing to share their perspectives and their opinions on things, you can anticipate one thing being said, and it can go completely backwards. And they teach you something every single day. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible what some of them have been through. And the others you watch as you know, certain kids tell their story, I shouldn't say kids, student athletes tell their story. Um, and they, you can see each other, especially now on Zoom with all our virtual meetings, but you can see the reaction of, oh wow, I probably have a teammate that's been through that and maybe this is a conversation I should bring up with them. And the bonding that they have across campuses to 
you know, I've got a Northern Illinois baseball player that's now best friends with a women's soccer player at Ball State. And it's just, it's crazy the relationships they can develop because they feel comfortable with each other and what the conversations we're having. Sure. And lastly, just overall about the MAC, and I, I, and I kind of started our conversation that we are the leader in this. Um, to work for a conference that is such a leader in this, we've been having these conversations for years. Um, just what does that mean to you? It's the reason I love this job. It, you know, we're not on campus, so we don't get to see the student athletes every day. We don't see the coaches every day, but the fact that the commissioner is given such a platform for those individuals is, it's why I'm here. It's why I chose to stay here. It's the purpose of all of this. We don't have jobs, but for our student athletes. So the fact that he's given them an empowerment to their voice is just, it, I'm grateful for it and the opportunity that it's provided us. Awesome. Well, uh, this week people can um, not only listen to today's show with Bree Robinson, but again, we'll have multiple podcast episodes each week on a variety of topics uh, kicking off today. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll be posting clips from these interviews on our Twitter account and just, again, uh, trying to educate people uh, and, and having our student athletes have a voice through this through this process. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really important as, as Kristen just mentioned. So Kristen, thanks again for joining us today. And, uh, we'll be maybe checking in on you, uh, later this month, uh, when we're really getting into this stuff. So appreciate it. Once again, Kristen Williams from the Mac staff. Thanks Jay guy. We have a very special guest with us today to talk about a very special topic. Uh, Bree Robinson from Miami. She's the Assistant Athletic Director for Leadership and Diversity. Bree, thanks for joining us today. And um, let's get right into it. First of all, just how are things going on campus right now uh, with kids being back? We know that there's been some spikes on campuses and whatnot, but how is just uh, everyone kind of rolling back into campus life at, at the time? Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I think that being back on campus is a challenge for a lot of students. Um, you know, we're not used to being in this space, in this place where we're required to keep our distance. And a lot of the things that we're asking students to do are new. And not just asking students to do, but asking coaches, faculty, and staff to do are different. And so um, for Miami, what we decided to do is we actually have a phased in start to school. So we began school on August 17th virtually. And then we decided that we were going to start in person um, on September 21st. Um, and students actually have a choice to be in person hybrid or uh, take their classes virtually. And so that is still on schedule to begin uh, September 21st. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it, it's got to be hard. We look at every campus and college kids are college kids at the end of the day. And it's, it's tough. I, I, I mean, Eric's close to, I mean, he was out of college not long ago, yeah. but it's hard that when you've been probably home all summer uh, and I'm just talking necessarily about the general student body, you're home all summer and cooped up and then you finally see your friends. It's probably very tough to, uh, you know, stay away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you think about just what people have experienced during this time, you know, we're human beings, we're, we're used to social interaction. 
And so I think that that's challenging because um, we're asking people to keep their space and we're also asking people to not physically contact one another to, we can, we can remain in social uh, contact and be social, but keep a distance. And you know that that touch, that feel is what provides connection. And I think a, a lot of our student athletes and just people in general are missing that right now. Bree, what's been the biggest challenge personally for you just being back on campus? So I have actually not been back in the office. Um, I haven't been in my office, I think, since March 16th. Oh, wow. Um, so for me, <laughs> yeah, so for me, that's a challenge because I'm, I'm a hugger. So I'm a person who I like, I see people and I hug them, I'm like, hey, how are you, you know? Um, and so I think um, as a resident in Oxford, it's been interesting because it's provided me with this uh, safe haven, if you will, while students were gone um, and more space to move around, be outdoors. And now that students have come back trying to shelter in a little bit more just to be a good community member. Um, and it's not that I'm afraid of students or anything like that or that I'm accusing anyone of, of acting irresponsibly, but I'm trying to do my part and make sure that I'm respecting their space and, um, and being just in my house as much as possible. And so I think that's been a challenge. And then the other part is trying to encourage us as they come back to Oxford and they're preparing campus, encouraging them to remain positive, set good examples, and what that means as we move forward and look to have a season um, and be able to do the things that we need to do in the spring to resume our, our normally scheduled sports. Sure. And it's, it's tough for everyone right now. I mean, no matter where you are and I, I you know, I just think about students all across the country and how, how difficult it must be because it's such a change. Um, so that's a, that's a good update on kind of how things are going, but the, the real reason um, and, and kind of big reason that you're on here today is that we're, we've rolled out a plan. We, um, it's a continuation of a plan, right? The MAC has been uh, at the forefront of talking about issues uh, off the field for quite some time now and something we're very proud of. But uh, during kind of this break and beyond uh, without sports, we want to take things not only uh, how they affect student athletes uh, and just people in general uh, on the field, but uh, as well off the field and outside the classroom. So uh, today's topic and this week's topic, I should say, is implicit bias, recognition, and management, and microaggressions. Um, I know that we've done a lot of work and had a lot of uh, conversations and Zoom calls on this topic. In, in a, if you were telling Eric and I, what all that means, how would you define that? So I would, if I had to define biases, um, I would define a bias as um, a, a, an unconscious, um, they're implicit and explicit biases. So first, let me, let me say that. Um, an implicit bias may be something that is um, not to your knowledge immediately, um, and something that may be hidden in terms of your belief systems that could lead to you discriminating against someone else. And so um, biases are typically rooted in some sort of stereotype. And so, um, you know, I did, I actually did the Harvard um, implicit bias test. And for me, one of my biases was that um, I was biased towards uh, 
against, well, I'll say a bias against older individuals. Um, and that wasn't something that I was even aware of, right? Um, and so the, the important thing to remember with biases is that we all have blind spots, right? We all have things that we may not think about and things that we do think about, but maybe we don't check ourselves on. And so um, that's a bias. When you talk about microaggressions, those are intentional or unintentional things that we may say, do, um, and act um, that are discriminatory towards other people. Um, and those things are sometimes subtle and they are sometimes not so subtle. And so when you think about microaggressions, they may be things that you say to people, right, that are again rooted in, rooted in biases and also rooted in stereotypes um, that may make people feel like they're discriminated against or they're less than um, and treated unfairly. Right, and, and a big part of all of it kind of just as a summary, and you, you said it great, is just these are things that people don't think about and they just happen, right? And it, and it happens probably to all of us. I'm sure it, it does happen to all of us. And um, yeah, it's it's something that we definitely wanted to have you on and, and, and talk to you about. Um, give us just a little bit about your background, uh, nationality, uh, maybe in growing up and maybe some things growing up uh, that you dealt with in terms of biases and, uh, and microaggressions and even come to the present time and, and you kind of hit on that a little, but just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, a little bit about myself. So I am a black woman um, and I say black woman. Um, I am, I do identify as African-American in regards to my ethnicity um, and nationality, I'm American. Um, but I wanted to put it out there and clear up because I think there are a lot of people out there who are not sure whether, whether to use black or whether to use African-American when you're talking about race. Um, black is correct. Um, there are several people that I know in my immediate circle, they are black, but they are not necessarily of African descent. And so um, they may be Panamanian, they may be Jamaican, they may be Dominican. Um, but those individuals do identify as Black. So I wanted to um, have that as a clarifying point. Um, for me growing up, so I'll start in the area of microaggressions. So I don't think that I was really aware of microaggressions towards me growing up. Um, but I think as I got older, I became more aware of those things that were happening. And I'll use an example. So. Um, you know, being an athlete, there were things that people used to say, for example, um, you're only fast because, um, you know, I heard that black people have an extra muscle, right? I heard that black people had um, an extra muscle. Um, and to me, that was, I saw that as, okay, so you're telling me I have an added advantage and I didn't work as hard as you. And I have some sort of, and, and I'm a freak of nature of some sort, right? Anatomically, um, that I didn't, I didn't earn this, right? And so some of those types of things, or even, um, and, and remember when we talk about microaggressions, those things could be intended or unintended insults to people. Um, there were things like, you speak really good English for a black person, um, or you throw really well for a girl. <laughs> and so those types of things were things that I experienced growing up. Um, remembering and also acknowledging that microaggressions can also be not acknowledging how to pronounce someone's name. 
um, and repeatedly ignoring how someone wants to be referred to. And so I also had those, um, those types of experiences growing up. Um, and even into my college years, um, being called things or um, people saying things that uh, did not necessarily align with what, who I was and how I identified um, and finding those things offensive. Um, in regards to biases, you know, Jeremy, you hit on the fact that we all have biases. Um, I have biases based on my religious identity, based on my racial background, based on, you know, my experiences with other people. Um, who are alike, who are like me and also different from me. And I think that as I've gotten older and as I've gotten um, more experienced professionally, I've tried to challenge myself to check my biases at every turn, right? And what that looks like for me is asking myself what it is that I believe and why it is that I believe what I believe. Um, and then also having people in my circle to hold me accountable in those conversations and in those thought processes. So do I believe that this is a good candidate for a position because they have these skills, right, that align with the position description or do I believe that they're a good candidate for the position because they are like me or because they fit these things that fit into the culture, right? Um, and so I think that those things are really important and I've become more and more aware of those as I've gotten older because I'm required to, right? Um, I read something uh, on social media that said, we are um, personally responsible to be more eth ethically responsible than generations before us. And I take that very seriously. Um, and I believe in that accountability because really that's the only way that we're going to be able to be better, um, better neighbors um, and better community members. And I want to I go back a little bit. So you said you did that Harvard study that helped you kind of learn about your own biases and things like that. Other than that, I guess, study, what would you recommend people doing to kind of identify their biases and kind of work on that? So I have a book called Blind Spot as well. Um, but I think if you don't, you know, you don't have the resources to go get books and you don't necessarily um, want to take the impl implicit bias uh, tests that are out there. And I want to clarify, Eric, that there are several different um, categories, right? You can do it for age, you can do it for gender, you can do it for religion, you can do it for um, just about anything, right? Any social identity. Um, but I think back to, you know, asking your, yourself the questions. Um, why is it that I believe what it is that I believe? Um, or why is it that I do the things that I do? Am I crossing the street um, because I see someone that looks different from me um, because I'm uncomfortable, right? And then asking myself the question, well, why, why am I uncomfortable in this situation? Am I avoiding interacting and engaging in certain spaces and at certain times because this is unfamiliar? And what part of it is unfamiliar for me? And then what can I do to familiarize myself or educate myself and provide in a, a less distorted view of what really is going on. And I say less distorted view because regardless of how many questions we ask ourselves or how much research we do reading, we're all, we all have biases. We're gonna continue to have those biases. Um, what's really important is that we always check them, right? And that we always ask ourselves uh, the critical questions to be able to get beyond uh, what we think we believe or what we know in that moment. 
Yeah, you're talking about this. And as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, when I was growing up, you know, what I ran into, whether it's just where I was from, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, I mean, other people think of you in a certain way, or um, my dad's Jewish. So, you know, half Jewish, I grew up. So when people got a hold of that, when I was, you know, younger, uh, they clearly have some thoughts or, or they just do that. And um, they may not mean it um, in, in a bad sense, but it's just there. And that's, as you're talking everything, I'm thinking back, you know, in my childhood of things that, that have gone on. And um, yeah, it's, it's important to, um, you know, learn about yourself. That's, that's why we're doing all this is we're all learning every day and, and continue to learn. I did want to touch on just, you know, you're, you're a Mac, former Mac student athlete at Miami, you played softball. Um, and, and I know you, uh, growing up, you played volleyball and basketball as well. Um, just on the field dealing with microaggressions and, and bias, biases, uh, you know, on the, on the playing field or in the locker room, how have you ever run into that and dealt with that? Yeah. So my teammates, I've never talked about this with my teammates. I've talked about this incident so many times with my colleagues. And so my teammates uh, who listen to this are going to probably be shocked in, um, in wondering a couple of things, right? Like why I never brought this to their attention and, um, and, and how it bothered me at the time. So there was, uh, and I love my teammates, they're still some of my best friends, but I think for me growing up, I never wanted to be the person who um, disrupted anybody else's life sense of normalcy comfort, right? And so as I experienced discrimination or there were microaggressions or um, I received mistreatment, I was very cautious about how I showed up in those spaces to say that this bothered me because I didn't want to be a nuisance. And so um, I remember when I was in college, my teammates, you know, I played softball and so my teammates were cheering and they suddenly started cheering a name that was not my name. And it wasn't until a coach asked me if that bothered me that I even thought about whether it bothered me. And so um, I passed it off and I told him, I was like, no, it doesn't bother me. I'm fine. And then my parents were at a game and they, my teammates shared it again. And um, they asked me, my dad literally said, why in the heck are they calling you that? And I was like, I don't know. But it was in that moment that I didn't realize like, yeah, this is an issue, right? That's not my name. And even questioning, well, why is it that they feel comfortable saying this to me? Um, and calling me this. And really the reason was it was built and rooted in some sort of stereotypes, right? And so, um, you know, after my coach said something, my parents said something, then I, I asked them to stop, stop calling me that and stop saying it, stop cheering that. And their question was why? And I just said, I don't like it. And so I think that was really a turning point for me where I felt like I was able to um, kind of challenge right? Challenge someone else who was making me feel uncomfortable. But there have been so many times where um, I haven't talked about things that have bothered me in regards to discrimination. Um, and that could be gender discrimination, that could be racial discrimination, um, because I don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable. And so that's come at the expense of me being uncomfortable. But I think as we look at what we're currently going through as a nation um, and the, the social unrest, the civic unrest, uh, race relations, 
we have to have those conversations and we have to create a space where people who are in the minority are comfortable speaking up and we're empowering them to do so um, and sharing these spaces. So I am super grateful to be, be able to even have this space today to, to talk about this. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was just going to mention the MAC has always been a kind of a leader when it comes to these conversations. Talk about, I guess, some of the work you're doing now and then some of the work you want to continue to do in the future as this uh, progresses. Yeah, so I'm currently a part of the MAC uh, Diversity and Inclusion Committee. And I'm super grateful for that space because, you know, we're brainstorming and sharing the different initiatives between institutions uh, that we're all starting. Right. And some some people are maintaining. So I'll say that, too. Some people are maintaining initiatives, have already had things going. Um, and now we're building upon those things. Um, many people have been doing uh, voter education and voter registration. Um, several people have done uh, conversations with student athletes. I know some institutions that are also um, making sure that their student athletes are having the spaces to take care of themselves from a mental health standpoint, realizing that COVID um, and the current social unrest are uh, increasing anxiety levels, right? Um, and also for some student athletes who have lost seasons, uh, increasing depression because of the, the shift in identity. And so the MAC has done an incredible job. I know we, um, we do a diversity and inclusion week, mental health awareness. Um, the NCAA also does a social media campaign um, around diversity and inclusion. And so, you know, the things that we do with our Council of Student Athletes and then also um, everyone on their campuses with their student athlete advisory councils really matches that. Um, and the MAC has done a great job of supporting us and encouraging us to move forward with those initiatives. Yeah, and I think as I'm sitting here that uh, we've done a lot of these podcasts now, and I don't think I've learned as much as I did in the last 30 minutes uh, or 25 minutes, whatever it is. And I think Eric and I are very lucky that we're in position to be bringing people on like yourself or whether it's doctors to talk about, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, like you mentioned, voter education, um, mental health. And just being involved in those conversations and, and learning things is um, just just really, really cool. And, um, and I'm glad to be a part of it because education is key through all this. Absolutely. Um, I think that we have to continue to make the commitment to educate ourselves, right? And understanding that there's this shared responsibility. So although I may not know as much about another area um, or another topic that is unrelated to me that certainly shouldn't be a barrier to me interacting and engaging. I think that we have um, amazing tools on the internet to be able to search and look information up. And so, you know, you've heard a lot of people say that this is a movement, not a moment. And I'm certainly invigorated knowing that, you know, we started in the MAC doing a lot of these things before we even got to this point. And so we had momentum and we can keep moving forward um, to be able to help our student athletes and, um, and help member institutions be better. 
Yeah. Well, Bree, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We absolutely appreciate you coming on and enlightening a ton of people about what's going on, not only around the Mac, but around the nation and, and these important conversations that we're having. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it's great to be with you always. Awesome. awesome. Thank you Thanks so much, Bree. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be great to continue this conversation throughout the weeks, months, and, and years. So again, really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, Jeremy. Return of the man. There is. Return of the man. Come on. Return.